ladies and gentlemen, this is a podcast for Harley Riders by Harley Riders. Actually, this is the MTB podcast where we talk about mountain bikes because we are mountain bikers. Yes. And in this episode, 98, by the way, we're getting up there. Wow. We're getting up there. We're going to talk about our recent trip to Durango, Colorado, a new bike brand that's actually started by a friend of ours, the resurgence of a somewhat older brand. And then, of course, get to listener questions, which range from underrated tire brands and models, coil fork conversions, Things to make your bottom bracket not creak or creak less. But before we get to the episode, I wanted to make a quick note about ads. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, and they're so filled with ads, and it's so annoying, and I just promise to not do that with MTB Podcast. I think here and there, we're going to we're gonna sneak in a little funny ad that's not even a real business, and because we think it's funny and we know it makes you laugh, or maybe not, we don't really care, it makes us laugh, um, or we will, <laughs> or we will uh, you know, make a shameless plug of our own ads for uh, Kettle Mountain, which is the apparel brand that we own, or Trail One, the component brand that we're invested in. So you might hear those ads here and there, but they'll be subtle and nice and valuable and relevant, and I'm not going to talk to you about ZipRecruiter or Salesforce <laughs> or... Uh, What's another one? Squarespace, know, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, like or dom- just, Domenic, Facebook, a lot of the outdoor ones. Meta. Yeah, we're just not gonna. Yeah. We're just not gonna. We're not gonna cover you in ads. So no. I literally pull up a podcast. Ad. I pull up a podcast and I just hit skip thirty seconds I know, until I hear so the intro annoying. music. You know what? Wow. I don't want anyone to ever skip the intro of the MTB podcast because they're gonna miss funny intros and yeah. uh, like the ones you just heard, which you yeah. may, or may not have thought was funny, but we did. <laughs> Especially Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Never so, ridden Harley before in my life. <laughs> I don't think I've ridden Harley before either. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's jump into where we didn't ride Harleys, but yet we rode mountain bikes, which was Ooh. Durango. So this was the second trip this year that we did with Chasing Epic Mountain Bike Tours. Mm. Uh, it was it was epic, as as promised. It was in Durango, Colorado, which wasn't quite as high in elevation as Breckenridge, right? It was slightly less. Not, pretty close. Well, pretty close. Durango Town is less. Right. But we yeah. were staying in Purgatory, which is yeah. actually pretty 30 close. 30 minutes north. Yeah. yeah the bike we park is. Basically 9,000 We were sleeping right? at 9,000, uh-huh. 8,900. Yeah, it was up there. Riding yeah. up at 12,000 pretty frequently. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough, enough to screw Rocky my mountains, sleep cycle baby. up. The Rocky Mountains. San Juan Mountains. San Juan's. San Juan's. Yes. Is that part of the Rocky Mountains? That's a great question. No, uh, maybe I one of our Colorado listeners the San Juan uh, Mountains might still be connected to and part of the Rocky Mountains as yeah. the greater mountain range. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If you're listening from Colorado and you know that information, just let us know. Educate Podcast us. at WorldWideCycle.com. Yeah. You know, we learn a lot from people who watch our YouTube videos and listen to our podcasts. Recently, we had a video about the top Enduro trail front tires, mm-hmm. and we mentioned that we don't really know how to pronounce Schwalbe. Yeah. Well, we know how to pronounce it because in the U.S., everyone calls it Schwalbe. It's kind of how it's spelled and yeah. the way you'd read it in American English. Yeah. But we mentioned that, you know, we don't know how to say the correct way of it because it's a German brand, right? I think so. And a German guy yep. messaged us on Instagram, and he told us it's Schwalbe. 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 <laughs> yeah, we still don't. We still can't say it right. I don't know if Americans can actually properly pr- <laughs> pronounce that. Pronounce that. Pronounce it. Pronounce it. I just combined two words. It was. It was a challenging one, but yeah. you know, we learned a lot of stuff. So let us know about that Rocky Mountain San Juan Mountains question. Yeah, Durango was. I loved it. I think that uh, was it. Graysill was the trail that Graysil, we rode. Yeah. Graysill or Graysill yeah. Creek, something like yep. that. That was my highlight. I think that trail was so well built. The corners were amazing. 
It was kind of fast and flowy at the top with these awesome corners, good line of sight, which is perfect for someone riding it for the first time that didn't know it, and then gotten a little bit more techy towards the bottom. That was a good trail. Quite there, was, there were some standouts. We rode some sections of the Colorado Trail. I don't know. What was what was your guys' um, highlights from the trip? Gosh, that Engine Creek Trail was mm-hmm. another one of my favorites. You liked that one? I liked that one, yeah. It definitely, like, sketchy in parts, but I guess those are the ones that – you know, I tend to enjoy it. It's like you just got out of that and you're like, wow, that was that was pretty technical. Felt like fun. raw, rugged, original yeah. mountain biking. Sort of yeah. just yeah. riding down sketchy goat trails slash rain ruts type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. There was a section on the Colorado, Colorado Trail going to Grace Hill that was like, I don't know, mm-hmm. two-minute downhill. That was super fun. That was cool, like around the White Creek and yeah. uh, the yeah. other one. Leading up to White Creek. Yeah, that was rad. Yeah, riding in Colorado is amazing. There's just such – there's so much elevation and there's so many, so much cool geological stuff going on. Those yeah. creeks that we saw, that one, one creek was orange and had orange rocks and then two hours later we saw this creek that was – it looked white. powder white. The yeah. water, the rocks. I mean it was – it's just so cool. It's such a beautiful place to ride bikes and the trails are so well built and well maintained. And yeah, Durango didn't disappoint. It seemed like a really fun place to – you know, if you're going to take a mountain bike trip. That was that was a heck of a place. Yeah, definitely different sort of vibe and setup in terms of the local trails compared to Breckenridge. Yeah, in my opinion, Breckenridge had I don't know. There was a lot of these sort of flow jump trails in Breckenridge, the sort of local trails, which I loved. I yeah. thought it was awesome. But Me too. It totally depends on what you like. Durango had a different flavor, a little bit more raw and rugged mm-hmm. than that stuff. So I don't know. What did, how do you compare them? Um, I think what he says is pretty accurate. I mean. Once you got out of, because you didn't ride a whole lot of the deep stuff from Breckenridge. Yeah, um, true. I don't have a huge sampling. Well, we don't have a huge sampling of Durango either. This, yeah, exactly. These places have so many trails. <laughs> you yeah. need to you need to spend weeks there to. I feel like we only rode the deep out backcountry stuff in Durango. Where in Breckenridge, kind of all three of us rode a lot more like the kind of stuff from town. Yeah, the stuff I rode on the the during the Breck Epic. Some of that stuff was pretty similar. Like you're out there, you're in the middle of Colorado Trail somewhere, and like, yeah, it's just raw and single track, you know, a couple inches wide on the trail and stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say without having like a proper sampling of all the trails. Yeah, true. Either way, uh, both of those towns, Breckenridge and Durango, you know, we've hit those this summer, and well, and uh, and Sun Valley, Idaho. That's another yeah. town as well, and yep. all those places, such amazing places to take a mountain bike vacation that offer a lot of great trails and just good infrastructure, cool towns, cool history, yep. a lot of you know good sights to see. So good yeah. activities, good activities, yeah, more room for activities. That's right. That is right. Yeah. Um, moving on. Crestline Bikes. Mm-hmm. Have we mentioned Crestline on the podcast before? I believe so. don't think we have at all. Yeah. So a longtime friend of ours and uh, sponsored rider, ambassador. What do we call mm. Troy in these days? I don't, I don't know. know. Shop rider? Shop rider? Friend of the shop? Yeah. <laughs> Friend of ours. His name's Troyden. He's a South African dude. He's an incredible mountain bike rider. And uh, him and a couple of his friends are starting a bike brand. Uh, Crestline bikes, and I think. Well, how much should we disclose? Does it matter? He doesn't. Um, you know, Troy, I'm, I'm. Who cares? I'm going to disclose what I want to disclose. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So they just uh, kind of set eyes to the world this past week. Um, they released their RS two zero five or two hundred five. It's a downhill frame with a virtual high pivot 
VPP linkage system. Mm. That's a lot of abbreviations. Right. Um, yeah, that is. Very technical. Essentially, it's a uh, spin on VPP, but they move the uh, virtual pivot placement uh, a little bit higher um, because there's dual rotating links. Um, so it's not a actual high pivot. It's a virtual high pivot. And by doing so, they've been able to create a uh, more rearward axle path than typical VPP while still having a lot of support and characteristics that you want in a suspension platform. So that's pretty cool to see. Um, there's a collaboration with Cascade Components. Uh, they did a lot of the kinematics for them and machining all the links and the dropouts. Um, so yeah, the, the downhill bike was kind of uh, like a fun project for them because their real goal is to make awesome kind of gravity-oriented e-bikes. Yeah, that was the original goal, right? I mean, yep. it's uh, they have a they have a YouTube channel called Crestline MTB, and for a minute there, about a year ago, they were they pumped out four videos, yep. and they kind of gave some insight into the bike that they were building, the prototypes they had, and this was a longer travel e bike, and we're asking viewers, you know, hey, what do you think of this thing? What do you want? I'm trying to just make an amazing long travel e bike, and it takes a long time to develop and design a really high end premium sort of competitive bike in in those categories be it downhill or be it long travel e-bike and yeah and they're they're getting after it uh, i don't know why they kind of gave up on the youtube thing for a little bit but we'll see when they come back with it i mean they're they've just been heads down making the products so yeah once they're i think dialed it, in, i think we'll hear a lot more from them yeah. yeah i think it came down to uh actually getting stuff ordered and po's placed and kind of getting everything going and they kind of pushed the youtube for, to the side for a bit yeah, um, but the e-bikes are on their way. Um, early 2023 is when they're expected. So. Nice. Yep. Yeah, they look amazing. I, I'm super impressed. I think Troy is doing a fantastic job, and even just that downhill bike. And Jared, you made that reel that we posted mm-hmm. on Instagram of that thing. A and, custom build. Yeah. Ooh, that looked good. Unreal. That that red is just like yeah, insane. that sort of candy apple red. Yeah, right? it's like a yeah something like that. Gosh, yeah, that's that a one off that Technar painted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah custom like painted. Custom build. Crimson blood red. I don't even know, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's a sick build. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on. I mean, it's I just love. I mean, one of the things I love about the bike industry which I've said plenty of times is that there's just a, a thriving uh, amount of small boutique brands that are able to sort of make, you know, competitive bikes that go part to par with the best ones out there. And that's yeah. a, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen in technology and automotive. Yeah, it's, no. it's much more of a thing that's kind of unique to the bike industry, which is really cool to see brands like this just come out of nowhere and make incredible products. So yeah. I have I have high hopes for Crestline, and I have faith in Droiden to do some pretty impressive stuff. And seeing that downhill bike was rad. So yeah, I think. You rode that bike a, a lot, right, in Whistler just recently, Liam? Yeah, I rode it twice here in SoCal, and then uh, I actually rode it for like three whole park days up in Whistler. Um, all of it at the time was built up as a full downhill bike. Uh, it's really, really good, like impressively good right off the bat. Um, gets you up to, you know, your confidence level right away. Um, actually, I tried to pull up on this like kind of natural trail gap and I cased the crap out of it. Um, but my buddy Corey was right kind of behind me slash next to me. And he was like, dude, you cased that so bad. But like the way the wheel just ate it up and moved out of the way <laughs> was amazing. He was like, to see that thing work was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it, it worked really well, and it's. I mean, I will say it's it's a race bike. Like it wants mm-hmm. to go fast. It loves the speed. It's super stable. Um, so yeah, 
It's funny because some of the best ways to get to know any bike, especially the more travel they have, is by making mistakes. It's by those those times where you pick a horrible line in a rock garden mm-hmm. and you, you drop your front wheel into a hole and you think in your head, I'm done, I'm going over the bars, and then all of a sudden you don't. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can accredit that to the size of the wheel, the fork, the head angle, and you're just shocked. And sometimes you know, especially when you're riding a new bike, you, you're you you're 100% certain, if I'd done that on my last bike, I'd have gone over the bars. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that that's a fun thing to kind of experience. And same thing with casing stuff or, or overshooting stuff. When you really bottom out the suspension and push it to its limits because you made a mistake, that's where a good bike can save you and where you can kind of really feel like – I love this thing because it saved my ass on this situation. Yeah, totally. There's definitely a couple times that 40 up front saved me, that Fox 40. Yeah. And we were riding some super steep tech trails that I'd never been before trying to follow Troyden and some local uh, kids as well. And they're just flying. I'm over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, 40 saved me. Um, Bike jumped super well. I hit pretty much all the jump lines at Whistler on it, so... Wow. The yeah. thrill of mountain biking. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's cool. So keep an eye out for Crestline. Uh, we'll definitely be talking more about them because we love to see you know bike projects like this come to life, which is really cool. Speaking of things coming to life or coming back to life, oh. resurgence. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I wanted to mention Canfield. So Canfield never fully disappeared, but they Canfield bikes, man. What a what a storied brand. So two brothers that were both incredible riders, incredible bike designers and suspension designers. And, uh, yeah, they made amazing downhill bikes, trail bikes, and then they kind of, you know, I don't know what you took, a, took a small hiatus here yeah. and there. Yeah. And now they're, they're slowly but surely coming back quite strong with some really cool stuff. And their suspension platform, CBF, is actually what Revel Bikes uses. So Revel licensed the CBF uh, suspension platform from Canfield, and it's it just works amazing. We've made a whole video all about it, and obviously a lot of what you can attribute Revel's bikes and how they perform is to that suspension formula, and Canfield's bikes are at present uh, all aluminum and very well-priced and in a competitive range that I think fills a really unique niche where it's, it's at a price point that's aluminum, and if you want an aluminum bike – Maybe under five, six thousand dollars for sure. You can get something that has kind of a world class suspension platform to it for that price point, which is pretty cool and pretty rare. Yeah, and good components. Yeah, 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 with good components. So it's cool to see Canfield uh, slowly but surely coming back on the map with this. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they'll ever go carbon or what they have planned next. But the yeah, in terms of the way the bikes are working and riding right now and looking. It's a rare bike, yeah. and it's something that you you have out on the trail, and people go, "Whoa, what is that?" Yeah, and and it works good, and yeah, it's cool. So and I'm excited have, to see them come back. They still have quite the following. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely do. Yeah, they've always had sort of a, a cult following of people that know and understand that suspension platform and that brand and yeah. how well those bikes have always worked. That are, uh, you know basically you know, have always followed those guys and paid attention to their every move. So yep. it's cool to see them come back. I love that. I, I love seeing brands, you know, they all just kind of, they ebb and flow in terms of what they make and design and how their business operates. And Canfield is, is on the ups right now, which is really cool to see. So another thing to keep an eye on in terms yeah. of bikes, would you ever ride? Oh, that's a listener question. Isn't that is it? a listener question. Oh, we you better not answer don't that. Don't spoil that. We're going to spoil this alloy bike yeah, question. Gosh. But we will jump into listener questions. Oh, so, 
Without further diving ado, right in. Mm. Diving right in. Mm. Go ahead, Jared. Read the first one. All right, I will read the first one. What are your opinions on coil forks such as the Marzoki bomber and conversions like the Vorsprung Smashpot and, AC- and Push ACS3? Do they provide better ride characteristics to justify the weight? Are they only worth it on certain bikes or terrain? Hmm, kind of alluding to my answer there in that second question, but. Jeff, what are your thoughts on a coil fork on your mountain bike? Mm, well. Well, I know you're a weight weenie. Well, let's just <laughs> preface it with that. <laughs> well, three years ago uh, when the, that uh, ACS3 kit, which is that coil conversion kit that Push Industries makes, came out, yeah. I did ride it Whoa. and review it, and it's on YouTube. Excuse me. How about but I, that? But you I installed think... a part on your bike that weighed more no, than the previous one. I think you <laughs> borrowed my bike for two <laughs> <Okay>. weeks. <laughs> There you go. That's what he Yeah, did. I didn't install it on my own bike. I, I, I recall riding Liam's bike extensively for, yeah. for the testing purposes. Well, all right then. Yeah, I mean, I think that it does boil down to a matter of opinion. And, and something I, I actually want to do on this podcast is uh, so much of the bike industry and really anything in life boils back down to preference, personal situation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. However, I still don't want to neglect that we should – tell people honestly what we chose right you know so so for me uh i will start with yes it totally you know it's preference blah blah blah, depends on what you want i rode that one i've also rode the you know some of the merzoki forks that have coils in them and i do think they work super well and uh and it is impressive how they just do have a they hit different, yeah. as the kids are saying. Oh, <laughs> that is, the kids that are is awfully new of you to say. <laughs> they they have a different level of performance and feel, absolutely. And is it good? I think so. I do. I do like it. But in my opinion, I don't think that the weight sacrifice is worth it. It depends on the bike. Yeah. Uh, but man, I don't know. Even I don't know. I I still just don't think that. For me personally, I think they work better. Um, but I don't think that the weight sacrifice is is worth it. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it's funny, right? Because when you're talking about something like the ACS3, that's where you take your premium level air fork and make it coil. Yeah. Coil esque, right? So that I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay money to upgrade my premium level air fork to coil f- just for the feel. Right. I know obviously a lot of people do, and yeah. some people would, but I wouldn't. Um, however, if I was in the budget for a five hundred dollar fork. Would I choose a coil fork? Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you're just Marzocchi one or like yeah. seven hundred. Yeah. I think that's how that much I did. Yeah, yeah. Because you have coil. less, you have less level of pickiness yeah. when your budget's not at the highest level. So yeah, I don't know. So for me, I'm sticking with air. But, yeah, you know. Um, you well, I have actually ridden all of these: the ACS three, the Vorsprung Smashpot, and the Marzocchi Bomber Coil. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's definitely a you know, an application driven decision where like, yeah, definitely a more gravity oriented bike would, um, you know, benefit more from that kind of, you know, conversion, I guess. Like I love the feel of like the weight and the, and the compliance of a coil fork on a gravity bike. Like I had the bomber coil on my SB 165 when I first built it up and it was like, wow, like the weight, not only the weight, of the fork, like the additional weight over an air fork, but also the added grip and compliance of the coil. You just get so much front wheel traction and it's just, it feels great. And, and it just like, you know, trucks over stuff. Um, but with that said, 
do I want to pedal it around all day? No. So it's like, yeah, it feels great on a, on a more gravity, you know, oriented application, but like on a, on an all mountain bike, um, where you're climbing, you know, you're earning your turns. Um, I probably wouldn't, I would just stick with there, you know, like a 38 or a Z if I was going to, if I was going to build a bike, yeah, where I was going to climb to all of the top of my, you know, amazing descents, I probably wouldn't do that. But if I was going to like, you know, park bike that thing all day, I mean, yeah, I would probably go coil, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, it is funny because I, I think I mentioned in that, in that ACS three review is that air forks have just been constantly trying to evolve and innovate their internals to basically imitate coil. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the purpose of yeah. air fork innovation is to behave like coil forks. Yeah. And, and they've gotten so good. They're pretty close to it. Yeah. Now, you know, arguably indistinguishable, but yeah, they've yeah. gotten really good, but yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you think, Wills? Um, I've had two bikes that are full coil coil, um, and they were pretty awesome. I think they're really good for, like, fast, chattery trails, like uh, kind of desert-style trails. Mm-hmm. Um, really good for that. We have one over here called Suicide. There's not really any big G-outs on it, and the coil coil feels awesome. Just smash down that thing. Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, I always end up going back to air. I've built up so many bikes with a coil in the rear to start and I can just never find the right balance between spring rate and bottom out resistance that I want. And I just always end up going back to an air shock. Um, kind of same with the fork. So I think it's rider style terrain, um, kind of based, yeah. based on what you want. Um, yeah. Like in, if you're in like, you know, Arizona a lot, It'd probably be awesome riding a lot of that chunk in that desert out there. Yeah. I feel like it'd, it'd probably be also be good on like rocky and rooty type stuff. Yeah, it probably would be like right? really like rooty. We just don't have any roots here. <laughs> yeah, really rooty kind of technical stuff. Yeah, uh, the coil would be good. It also would be good uh, if you happen to ride really cold temperatures and then really hot temperatures as well. Like you know, yeah. winter riding and air doesn't feel that awesome at the start and it heats up so it's true yeah there's less there's less sort of variance when the temperature yeah. changes with coil yeah so again terrain area yeah. specific um riding like yeah your your average loop that being said i probably would just buy an air fork yeah personally yeah that's a tough one that's there's it a lot a of different one. ways you can go with that just a lot of ways you can slice the pie oh <laughs> Thought you would like that. <laughs> Never even heard that. Just love food comments. I love a food comment. Yeah. A lot of ways you can slice the pie on that one. Speaking of food, <laughs> <laughs> the, the next que- <laughs> the next question is: Which of all the dropper posts that have violated your butt cheeks has been the longest lasting? <laughs> Speaking of food, <laughs> you nasty, nasty boy. I, I think okay. Here's my take on dropper posts. I think it took them. It took dropper posts. Well, for starters, it was an amazing, amazing innovation in the bike industry that completely changed the way yeah. you ride your mountain and bike. So were rear shocks, which also took yeah. a long time to get yeah. consistent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the dropper post, like rear shocks, took several years to become reliable, high quality pieces of machinery that you had faith in their performance yeah um, took a long time but i i think as of late they're pretty reliable i yeah. mean almost you know let's talk all <clears throat> premium brands right one up fox uh ks race face who who rock shocks rock shocks yeah one of my 
favorite spike yoke. Oh yeah, bike yoke. Bike yoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all good and reliable yeah. these yeah. days. It's really hard to say one is more reliable than the other. Whereas if you asked me that question five years ago, let alone eight years ago, it'd have been a completely totally. different answer. They were all over the place. Yeah, you know, one brand had one model that was worked better than everyone else's, and other ones had Mark horrendous warranty. KS carbon dropper post on all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I have a KS carbon <laughs> dropper on on my. Uh, on my Revel Ranger, which is my lightweight. Both light. of them, right? You've had two of those. I've had two. So like yeah. six of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the lightest dropper there is. And? For a 150 drop, and they're flawless. I've never had a problem with either. <laughs> yeah. I had the 127 well, 2KS dropper that had an unnecessary amount of play in it. It had play. I, but that was they, a 27 2 dropper on my gravel bike. So mm, they have just had play. Still went up and down just fine. Needed yeah. service. Around the average service yeah. interval. I mean, that's, so, that's fair. Yeah, you that's can't fair. say yeah. something doesn't work well if you're not going to maintain it exactly. properly yeah. and follow the yeah, instructions. That's, that's totally like, fair. Like, you know, most people, oh, this sucks. It doesn't work anymore. Well, yeah. dude, you rode it for 16 months and it has a 12-month interval. So Yeah. yeah. Um, Makes sense. It's like driving a car and not but, changing the oil and be like, oh, what did exactly. blow up? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think personally my favorite, one-up components, uh, super solid. P&W is coming out with some solid ones. Bike yoke. Is really solid, and then I've had absolutely no issues with three reverb axis posts. Yeah, yeah, there I could buy three or four maybe one ups for my one reverb yeah, axis, yeah. two to three times the price of every but, dropper, yeah. but they're proving to be extremely reliable. Yeah, and I haven't it's had so any convenient to switch yeah. them from bike to bike. It is, yeah, I would agree, honestly. My reverb axis, um, I don't have it anymore, um, but yeah, I that was one of my favorites, and just the actuation and like just how easy it would top out like you know some drop posts you have to like you know hit it with your butt to get it to go down and go back up and like i don't know i just think that rear axis was like definitely one of the most solid posts i've ever had do you Mm -hmm. feel like you went down a notch now that your dropper post has a cable again (sighs) (laughs) i mean i don't feel like i went down a notch but like maybe maybe i did the fox transfer which is like yeah i mean probably the next best one but yeah um you did it for aesthetic reasons. Yeah. And well, honestly, I didn't want to like pull out a perfectly good post just to swap it with that one and um, mess with all the cables and stuff. And then like when I sold the bike, I have to redo all that. I'm like, no, I'm just, just going to leave it and run the Fox. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. I like the Fox. They work good. Yeah. I mean, it's they're pretty reliable pieces of machinery these days, especially if you maintain them yeah, at the correct gotta, service intervals. You've got to service it. Yeah. Like, I've had that Crank Brothers Highline post. And I don't think we've ever serviced that one. Yeah. On oh, my th- rascal. Those ones are yeah. pretty yeah. durable. I was going to say also PW, Rainier, whatever it is, like it's pretty much the same thing as that Crank Brothers one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also bulletproof reliable and tried and true yeah yeah dropper posts were good now i mean that was absolutely i would never have said that five years ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here we are almost all of them work really well they've, they've come a long way which is really cool and here we are and here we are uh things that still aren't perfect mm. tires mm. flat tires that's right although i don't think anyone of our whole group which was about 12 people got any flat tire or any mechanicals in durango huh well not really Except for mine, but that was self inflicted. You, you forgot to charge his axis battery. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was talking about the wheel. <laughs> oh, that was also self inflicted. Yeah, I cracked a wheel. 
In Durango? Yeah. yeah. But it didn't lose any air, so but it's it didn't not lose really any air. mechanical. When was that? I didn't even hear about it. It was on the last day, I think. He, he found he didn't he didn't find out about until he was back in California yeah. building his bike back. Well, is it technically putting... a mechanical if it you didn't That's notice a... on the ride <laughs> and it still <laughs> worked your bike worked perfectly it's... fine the whole way through? Mechanically it's not sound anymore, yeah. so I think it's a mechanical. Um but, but I'm not gonna ride it again. Ride. I mean, but yeah, I the wheels keep riding it. Wheels cracked. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna I don't wanna find out what happens next. <laughs> I mean um, but yeah, yeah, brakes. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, tires. Speaking of tires, underrated yeah. tire brands that we've heard and seen good things about. Hmm. Well, I have a couple comments on that one. Well, for starters, we did just make that pretty extensive YouTube video yeah. where we interviewed a whole bunch of people in the California shop, and we talked about and laid out all of the most popular selling and most important tires in the mountain bike space in terms of front tires for your trail and enduro bike. So, if you really want to dig into tires, check out that YouTube video. Uh, front tires specifically. But front tires specifically. Almost, we gave honorable mentions in there. Yeah, I was going to say almost everyone said Maxis. So yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it was. And and you know what? Uh, let's pull up you pull up that poll that you did on YouTube. Pull it up, the, Jamie, on the YouTube community. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty big Maxis win. But yeah. underrated tire brands. So in terms of underrated, Maxis isn't underrated. They're highly rated and highly <laughs> known. So yeah. let's talk about underrated. Uh, two come to mind for me. One of them is Delium, which is trying to make a very premium Maxis level quality tires that are half the price. Yep. And they're damn impressive. They are. Uh, for that Especially price for half the price. Yeah. D-E-L-I-U-M, Delium tires, new brand, doing amazing things. Very impressed with them. We talked about them on the podcast before. Yeah. yeah. So. And then Continental, which is not a new brand by any means. It's a super old brand, but... They made some really good new tires recently yeah. with ridiculous names. I think we talked about that recently <laughs> yeah. too on the podcast. The prescription drug names. The prescription yeah. drugs names. Yeah. Cryptotol, yeah. Zinotol, 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 Zyrtec. Are you lacking grip medicine? on your bike? Take Zinotol. Let's make an ad for that. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Why not? We're doing that. If somebody does that first, we know you stole our idea from this podcast. Speaking of. Which, do you want to hear the results from the poll? Given three options Maxis, WTB, or Continental, which. Uh, tire would you run on your bike continental 15% WTB 8% Maxis 77% and how many replies though that's a good question Hunt, oh, 17,000 votes 17,000 votes wow <laughs> Wow. That's and Max has got 77%. Yeah. So. I mean, that's crazy. I would call that statistically significant data, my friend. <laughs> yeah. 17,000 people and over 75% that's, of them said Max's. That's a lot of votes. Um, I mean, you only gave three brands, right? You didn't give. Yeah, I only gave three Schwab brands. But Schwab. I mean, Schwab. people Schwab. also answered Schwab. a lot in the comments. Like, obviously, I mean, how many brands can you can you put, right? People yeah, are yeah, like, oh, yeah. you didn't say V-Tire Co. Well, I'm sorry, dude. I didn't. Yeah. Um, can you get those? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know um, you get a tire. Yeah, I think but. Continental's crushing it. Um I've been riding a set for a couple months now. They yeah. look great. Yeah. I would love to try those. Which ones are you using? I have a Cryptotol front in the front. And then because the Cryptotol has a front and a rear designation. So I have the Cryptotol front in the front and then the Xynotol in the rear, which is a very similar tread pattern, <laughs> but faster rolling, more ramped knobs. So, what's a worse product name, Cryptotol and Xynotol or Dynamic Island? 
Cryptotol and Xenotol, dude. You know, <laughs> I, like Dynamic I, Island at least alludes to the, the features. But, but the tech I, nerds will, I thought the Dynamic good. Island was going to be some standout feature. It barely does anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. And it sits lower than the notch. It 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 tells me that I'm listening to Spotify, and the photo of my album cover is so small, I think there's something on my phone. Yeah. I try to <laughs> like swipe it out of the way. <laughs> This is the new Dynamic Island on the iPhone 14 for those of you that aren't up on your tech device. It's the recent. And we've transitioned to the tech podcast (laughs) with Jeff Haley and (laughs) That's Jeff's new podcast that he hasn't revealed yet. Man, I should do that. You you should, and I'll just be like the noob that doesn't know anything. (laughs) We'll both be the noobs that don't know anything. We'll see the same people, but Jeff will talk about Uh, tech. I know know just enough to get me Tech nerd explains things to people who aren't tech nerds and don't care to be tech nerds and don't care what he's telling them. That'd be the name of the YouTube channel. I don't know if we have that many characters available, but we'll see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Speaking of tires. Continental, Delium. Continental, Delium. I mean, WTB, I don't know if they're underrated, uh, mm-hmm. underrated but like I love WTB tires personally. Yeah. Uh, Vigilante and Trail Boss is one of the best combos out there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that those, are, those do work good. Yeah. Um... Aside from that, I don't know. People like Kenda. I mean, Kenda's kind of making a resurgence. Honestly, I saw a couple of them back there too, and I was like, man, I kind of want to try that that Pinner yeah. Pro or whatever. And yeah, the Pinner Pro. Yeah, yeah looks Kenda's good. making a resurgence for sure. Yeah, you know, it's also very underrated. Terravale. So that was oh, yeah. sort yeah, of an honorable definitely. mention. Terravale is a small brand and much more well known for their gravel tires. Probably one of the bigger gravel tire brands. I think so. At least, you like, know, they really the jumped masses, onto that yeah. Yeah. Niche big time. If you're a yep. big gravel rider, you definitely have heard of Terravale. But they actually have some really good mountain bike tires, trail yeah. slash enduro yeah, stuff. Yeah, Kessel and Kessel the Warwick. Yeah, and yep. there's like a Hawaiian named one too, isn't there? Oh no! It's the A line. It's the A line, bro. A line, yeah. Yeah. E H H line or something. Yeah. A line. It's the A line. Canadian. Um, A line. A line. Tires, man. No comment. Everybody loves talking about tires. Yeah. Yeah, Never get tired of it. All right, Jared. All right. If you poop in your chamois, does it add extra padding? Gosh. I'm gonna go out on. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that if you poop in your chamois. Um, you've got bigger problems than padding. Have you ever pooped in your chamois? Uh, even during your triathlon stint? Never. Um, on a ride. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, so that's a yes. No, never on a ride. But yeah, one time, like, I'm not going to go into details, but yeah, maybe I pooped in the chamois. Okay. It was before a ride. Well, or no, uh, could it, no, it was after a ride. Let Jared know. <laughs> let Jared know on his personal Instagram at Jared Beerman if you would prefer the details of his pooping story uh, in the next know. podcast. Jeff, I heard that one time. Have you ever peed your chamois? <laughs> I don't think I've done either. No, that's mm. just, that's even worse, man. I'm just kidding. That's not worse. But I heard Jeff that one time uh, you pooped in your chamois and like you rode with it for hours and you were just like loving it. <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> this is misinformation. Uh, rumor thread 2023. Yeah. Is it extra padding? <laughs> God. Some of the questions. That was a good one though. Yeah, that's gross. That's that's pretty gross. Um, Speaking of people who poop their chamois, the guy who asked this next question probably has. <laughs> I can say that because he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, I'm not being mean, I promise. Uh, the question is, 
Will Beerman and Liam come ride the Glen Park Enduro with the B team? I've never wow. even heard of the Glen Park Enduro. Never heard of Glen Park. How am I going to get there? Never heard of the B team. Yeah, <laughs> you have you heard of the B team? <laughs> I know, I'm just giving them I'm definitely time. a C team rider. I'm not qualified. The uh, So, okay, for context, the Glen Park Enduro, I don't know what that is either, but I'm assuming it's just one of <laughs> I'm assuming it's just one of those those enduro races that's out east. That's that pretty the, local. The that the B team is racing. So the B team, a friend of mine, uh, decided he'd put together an amateur enduro race team, and it's got I think ten or twelve riders on it. And it's, he's actually done. A, I'm pretty impressed with these. He's he's done a lot with it. I'm not so impressed with his Instagram. It's a little sloppy. <laughs> yeah, Emph- <laughs> emphasis on amateur. He has emphasis on amateur. <laughs> The race results, the social media presence, they're all like that. But you know what they do is they go to the races and they have an amazing time and they exemplify having fun on mountain bikes. That's which, true. Which to me, that's what sold me. And I said, all right, we'll sponsor your team. So I agreed to sponsor them with uh, with Worldwide Cyclery, with Kettle, and with Trail One. So they have these – we made them these B-team shirts, which actually, Liam, you designed, right? Yeah, I did. And, oh, my and God. The, yeah, Liam designed the shirts. Nice they look good. Job, and these Liam. guys wear these Kettle shirts that we custom printed for them that have the B-team logo on them and the WC Kettle and Trail One logo on the back. And then it also has a quote on there that's – what does it say? The FBI's most wanted. The FBI's most wanted, yeah. <laughs> so – you know, I, I definitely – one of the things as Worldwide Cyclery has sort of evolved over the years, over the last decade, uh, I want to support people who have an amazing fun time on mountain bikes and racing mountain bikes, whether it's as amateur as the B team and their team uh, exemplifying fun at the local races or it's as professional and well done and impressive as, you know, Nico Malali creating his own bike and racing it at World Cup level downhill races on a world stage. Uh, you know, very different situation there but both exemplifying – having fun and doing cool stuff on mountain bikes and worth supporting. Just like how we support NICA so much, the National Intergalactic Cycling Association. Intergalactic. Intergalactic. That's right. Soon to be intergalactic. We <laughs> uh, should make a Beastie, thanks, Elon. A Beastie yeah. Boys NICA oh, YouTube video. That's a good idea. Wah, 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 intergalactic. Wah, wah, intergalactic. That's not yep. a bad idea. That's right. Well, uh, Matt, the, uh, the manager, is he a team manager? Is that his title? Uh, team manager of the B team. Uh, I don't think Beerman or Liam are coming out for the Glen Park. I'm sorry. Sorry, man. Uh, but I did promise you you could put an ad in the MTB podcast for the B team. I don't know what the ad's going to be about because I don't know what you're selling. But I haven't heard the ad yet because it's actually not even created. But he's going to create it after we record this. But while you guys, you're going to hear it right now. Ready? Here it is. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, yo, what's good? It's stunner number one, factory rider for the B-team. And wanted to take a second here at the end of the season and give a shout-out and say thank you to all the great people at Worldwide Cyclery, especially in Lancaster, Kettle Mountain, and of course Trail One for the love and the support that they've shown our team this year. And ask all the millions of listeners to follow us at B underscore team underscore MTB. B-team, that's what's up. And now, back to the show. And we are back, and I've got a fresh bubbly. Wow. From Michael Bublé. Bublé. Speaking of things you would consume, what is the best? Yeah, what's the best type of cheese it? What Uh, a weird listener question of all the things you could ask us. I think I've only ever had original, regular, and it's probably... The white cheddar ones. 
I've never had those. You've never had white cheddar. I don't eat Cheez-Its. That's that's where I was getting. You interrupted me. I don't think I've had a (laughs) Cheez-It. Still regular. They didn't have flavors when I was a kid. Oh, they've had white cheddar. They've had white cheddar, yeah. Well, the best type is obviously white cheddar. I just remember having white cheddar as a kid and they it cakes your fingers in the cheddar. Yeah, but a totally different flavor. Yeah. And then and then you just scrape off the white cheddar yeah. with your teeth on your fingers. Mm, and yeah. It's a gross visual maybe, yeah. depending as, on how you feel a hot Cheeto about finger licking. That's exactly what you do with that yeah. residual cheddar on your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of wraps that one up, huh? White cheddar is the best. It's, it's, uh, it's unanimous. Sounds like personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't really say. I don't think Jeff eats Cheez-Its either. <laughs> I haven't eaten Cheez-Its in solid 10 years or more. Wow. Yeah. I have no idea when I ate Cheez-Its. It's definitely not the ones that they accidentally burned and tried to write off as a well-done Cheez-It. Um, if you're in that camp... Who makes Cheez-Its? Nabisco? Sorry. Tabisco. Lay's. Uh, Fritos. I have no idea. Huh. Yeah. Well, right. who knows? Who cares? We'll move talk on, about move on to uh, bike questions. consumer goods speaking, products on the next one. Speaking of bikes, Teflon tape on bottom bracket threads... Several of us put the question in the comments, as I had never heard of it before. Is this a secret anti-creak hack or a subtle way to troll the DIYers out there? Um, it's definitely not for trolling. Yes. You did uh, it. What, ha- what happened? Liam did you- this on your uh, on your threaded uh, bottom bracket yeah. on the on the build reel that yeah, I posted. And everybody was like, Teflon tape on the bottom bracket. Yeah. Threads. I first started doing this uh, – one of the, the the first real shop I ever worked at, um, one of the guys that worked there has been working on bikes since the 70s, since threads and bottom brackets were not all created equal. And anytime there's creaking, it's like sometimes the bottom bracket would even like almost be loose in a frame on like those old square tapers, we Teflon tape it. So after that, I just kind of started Teflon taping almost every bottom bracket. Um, they don't come loose. They don't creak. It's awesome. So you Teflon tape it. You have to wrap the tape in the correct direction so it – essentially stays on as you tighten and it doesn't come off. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, uh, I had a, I had my gravel bike was creaking a lot and I couldn't figure it out. So I Teflon taped my pedal threads and it made the creaking go away. Really? Yeah. I wow. think just all that fine dust that we have around here just works its way in and creaks. So. Wow. Yeah. Go figure. Little hack to make your bike creak less. Hmm. People really Cheap. don't like creaking. I no, don't either. Cheap pack. I hate creaking. Yeah. And the amount of time, the amount of hours, it would be great if we just had some sort of monthly tally of time spent by mountain bikers trying to make their bikes creak less. It would just be thousands of hours. Or like every chain month, slap or. Yeah. 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 Make it bikes quieter. Yeah. Hashtag make bikes quieter. <laughs> make shirts that say that. Should campaign on that. Right? Yeah. That's good. I like that. Speaking of bikes being quieter. Frame storage, is it a trend or not? Mm. I think it's pretty cool. I haven't actually owned a bike yet that had the, frame storage. We're talking about f- like in-frame storage. I'm right. assuming, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Specialized, specialized all the new, all the new Santa, Santa Cruises, Cruises yeah. are coming with it. Tracks are coming with it. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a trend. Specialized have been doing this. I had a swap box before I worked here, I think. Yeah, ages um, ago, yeah. I, I like the idea a lot. I mean, being able to take your ride essentials and it's just an empty airspace yeah, anyway. You might as well is. just tuck them in there. I like the idea of it being down by the bottom bracket so the weight is in the right place. But yeah. instead of having a, you know, as long as you can access it quickly, yeah, um, being able to sort of, 
you know, take your spare tube, CO2, tire plug, whatever, and, and put it in there. And Can you put tuck pizza, it away in yeah. six-inch sub. A lot of funny, Jeez, lot of funny burritos, videos of people Cheetos. putting food in theirs. Yeah. And yeah. I mean. Your Cheez-Its, your white cheddar right. Cheez-Its could go in there, Jared. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I don't see any downside to it aside from the added cost and uh, complication of integrating that into a frame mold. But, I mean, that's, huh. like, not that bad not I much mean, of a cost at the end of the day it's, if anything it just has to make the frame a little bit heavier in certain spots but yeah bikes are already so heavy anyways no one cares about weight yeah it's just like that's I the only about weight. only like, downside yeah, you, I you still see. do but bike companies don't just yeah, the added complexity true. of uh, integrating that technology i think but, a little bit of I mean, design factors into because i was riding out uh actually our uh pennsylvania shop camping trip where we went and rode where did we ride? I've forgotten the name of the place. That's not good. Uh, some forest in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it wasn't Michelle. I rode Michelle the week after. We rode some other place. I'm blanking on the name. But uh, one of the uh, – one of the who was it? It was Rebecca's husband. Uh, he came, and he had a trek, and he was riding with us. And one of the days, he got to the bottom of the trail, and his water bottle was gone. And the water bottle cage was gone because the water bottle cage and the water bottle were all attached to the door for the frame storage on his trek, and it had vanished. The door was gone too? Yeah, the whole thing was gone. And and it just fell off while he was riding. It was a super rocky, rough trail, and it just fell off when he was riding. And uh, as soon as he noticed, we were like, oh. Oh shit, man! You you what happened? He's like, oh, the whole thing's gone. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, another one of the guys who was riding behind him saw it on the trail and picked it up and brought oh, it to the bottom. So lucky guy he didn't lose it, but it is kind of an important thing because that entire storage door yeah falls off Jeez. while you're riding. All your stuff can fall out, and then the door's gone. And so that's a whole yeah. deal. Make sure it's designed well so it doesn't go falling off on yeah. rocky trails. I know a lot of them have like a like a latch. Right. Yeah, I think it was a latchy sort of thing that just clips yeah. on the end of it. Who knows if it yeah. was latched perfectly or if the latch has that if, problem in general. I don't know. I thought there's a certain thing that was patented about that. I wonder if Specialized has a patent on how it's latched. Hmm. And it could be like the best way to latch it right to left. Yeah. Or however patents work, you know, that's so vague the way it could be stated, yeah you know? it's one of those things where the latch has to be designed correctly and then you as the user have to latch it correctly and yeah. make sure it doesn't come off um and whoever engineers it needs to make sure even if it is latched correctly it can still withstand a whole bunch of vibration because that's what mountain bikes go through on rocky rough trails true that so true that but i like the idea i think it's cool i think i hope it becomes more prevalent on various other brands um because yeah i mean the whole idea of strapping stuff to the bike, uh, I don't know. Just or like just it looks like, cleaner if it's or just like fitting it in random places, like inside your handlebars, or yeah, or your steer strap or your axle. Tube. There's like yeah, all these different like, let's weird just little put ways it inside this big tube that all bikes have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like a good idea to me. Yep, it sure does. Yeah. This next question must come from a California guy or somebody who rides Mammoth Bike Park because he says, "Does Jeff hit the drop on flow in Mammoth?" Flow is a trail in Mammoth that has a wooden drop, wood to wood. Wood to wood. wood, to wood. wood to wood, right? right? Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. wood to wood. Uh, yeah, man, I've never not hit that drop. <laughs> I hit I that drop when they first built it I when think, I was 13 years I old. I think all of us hit it blind this yeah. last time, but you know who wouldn't hit it? Zach. Zach Weaver. Zach Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, what bike was he riding? The Forestall. Oh, that's right. He definitely yeah. hit it. Yeah, the 170 bike. Yeah. Passes prime, man. He won't hit that no more. So if you want to, uh, you know, 
shoot Zach a message for not hitting a flow drop. That's at Zach Weaver on Instagram and just let him know that, hey, I heard that you don't <laughs> hit the drop on flow and mammoth. <laughs> I tried to peer pressure him a little, but we then did I did try. We tried. Yeah, we all yeah, did. I didn't, like, want, to, I didn't want to harp on him too bad. You no, know, because um, it's only because we know that he can. Yeah. Yeah, That but, that's why I was I was just But at the same time, like, fine. I wouldn't want to crash on that. Oh, horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that would be a that bad, would be a bad crash. crash. No, but, I mean, it's an easy drop. It is but it's like, it's so well built. I mean, it might be, you know, I guess if you hit it as slow as possible, it would be a six-foot drop. Yeah. Uh, but usually hit a little bit faster, and it might end up being I don't know, seven, 10 feet, eight, seven ten. feet. I don't know, it's, yeah, it's there's a, a huge long, landing. It's a huge long landing. It's super well built. It's as wide as a sidewalk. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. But yeah. um, it's fun. It's one of those things that once you do once, you're like, oh, that was totally easy and yeah. not scary. Yeah, but it just looks intimidating. Totally. So I could see how people wouldn't want to hit it. You yeah. know, what's definitely scary is pre hopping the a line drop. Yeah, that's. Oh, sketch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw a video of like some guy doing that one time and just oh clipping it. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. do it so bad this last time, but I didn't have the balls to. I don't blame <laughs> you, man. There's no yeah. need for that. You gotta, you gotta keep it in your pants. Some days. <laughs> uh, that was on the edge of appropriateness. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the question I almost spoiled earlier. Yeah. Will any of you ever get another alloy bike? Mm. My answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I'll actually say, yeah. really like high-end, well-made alloy bikes. I yeah, think yeah. that's what I was so stoked on Canfield recently because yeah. they just look amazing. Yeah, even Banshee too. Recently, yeah, we were kind of looking cool. back at Banshees again. We've been a Banshee dealer forever, but it's a tiny brand that doesn't have a lot of traction and following, so we don't sell very many of them. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I think, I'm really impressed I think with what, what they're doing. Uh, Same with Canfield. What Raw is doing the bike brand Raw? Yeah, R A W. Those are cool bikes. Those are cool. Um, yeah, I'd love to get, I, I think, I also think nicely made high-end alloy bikes can be the same weight as what current carbon bikes are. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's, at some point, carbon bikes, people cared about making them lightweight and now they don't. They just want yeah. to make them as durable as possible just and they just keep layer being, and layer yeah. and layer on carbon yeah. and these things are the same weight as aluminum bikes. So yeah. that value proposition is gone. The whole idea of carbon bikes being yeah. lighter, at least in the trail enduro segment. So yeah. kind of relevant in cross country and road, obviously. Yeah, I've, I've had plenty of alloy bikes when, even when they had the same model in carbon. Transition, Mondraker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I had a transition that was alloy. an alloy that was and a carbon bike too. one. Yeah, I really like that. I actually think I'm going to build up a Canfield. Yeah? Wow. I need a new trail bike. I've had that rascal for solid eight months. Time to... <laughs> <laughs> it was used too. Gosh, can you, can you believe it? Jeff two riding trips. it. Used I've bike. I've taken that on oh. two trips. Yeah. Maybe three. That was um, my second rascal. I really like yeah. that bike, but I just feel like that... Uh, it would just be rad to build up a Canfield, uh, Canfield with the uh, carbon bird wheels. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll build up a, an alloy Canfield with carbon bird wheels. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know what alloy bike I really want is mm. one of Nico's old frames. I feel oh. like I would I would love to have that as a down. Oh, dude, bike. he was gonna send us one. Yeah, but I want one like yeah. you well, know forever, not yeah. like just for a week or two. Ask him, dude. Yeah, I mean, I will. Um, yeah, but I feel like. Cool. Uh, for a downhill bike, I mean, it's going to have little innovation, I feel like, and you're going to 
you're gonna be able to ride that thing like you know it's just gonna be bulletproof and you'll have it forever mm, you know? that's true that's kind of yeah my, that i mean what nico's doing is so cool by the way check that out just type in nico frameworks into google or you can go to worldwidecycler.com slash nico that's right any any ko n-e-k-o yeah um we can search it, nico on the worldwide cycler website yeah that's true you can also and it'll bring go up there and nico's, type in N-E-K-O. nico's page mm-hmm yeah, check out what he's doing. It's, it's cool. He's custom making his own bikes and racing them on a World Cup level, which is rad. So definitely worth looking into. Yeah. Now. Wow. This is a hard question. It's a hard question, man. Really what hard. do you love most about your job? Do you think the guy who asked this loves his job or hates his job? I bet you he doesn't. Or maybe just genuinely curious. Um, and he wants to know what we love most and see how his job stacks up. Mm. Yeah. Um. I guess I'll go first. What do I love most about my job? Probably being around cool bikes all day. And not only that, but the people at Worldwide are just amazing. And, um, you know, you hear a lot, like a lot of other workplaces, but like that's like a family, but it really does feel like that here. And we all just are super into bikes and like um, we just all get along. So like that's probably one of the things I love most about working here. Yeah. Culture and community. Culture, community, workplace and Workplace relationships. Bikes. Yeah. <laughs> workplace, <laughs> workplace relationships. And bikes, obviously. Like, yeah. you get to be around cool bikes and ride riding bikes with your coworkers. Like, um, just, you don't, you don't have to do that kind of thing, obviously. But it's like wanting to go and, like, spend time outside of work with your coworkers and, like, do that kind of stuff is, uh, is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What do you think, Willie? Um, I mean, I agree with all those points. It's definitely a big part of it. I think for me... Um, it's like what I would choose to, like if I could do something uh, we were talking about this on one of our trips if I was independently wealthy I'd still do the same thing just maybe slightly less of it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like my tasks would be the same what I, what I do would be the same um, you know find these cool brands and you know market them and um, you know yeah pretty much what I, what I do I would just do maybe a little less if I didn't need the money, but yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I'd want to do. So I think that's what I love most about it is like, I'm stoked to do it and I don't care when I'm doing it or where I'm doing it, especially this summer. I've kind of just been doing it all. So just been doing it to do yeah. it. Just been doing it just to been, do it, man. Just been doing, doing it to it. do it. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, my answer would be, uh, I, I got a lot of answers cause I love a lot of things, but I, I think the, at the end of the day for me it's it's just overall the people in the industry so that's you know the people we have that work for worldwide and the people who ride mountain bikes it's a good fun scene it's a it's a product that people love to use as a tool to have fun with and people who ride mountain bikes in my experience you know 99.9 percent of the time are just good cool fun having nice people and you know getting to support people having fun on bikes is a really good feeling and being in an industry that is just laid back and fun and, you know, just does fun stuff and has products that are fun and we sell that and that's cool. I yep. like, I like that. That just makes me feel like, uh, oh, we're, we're doing a good thing for the world, supporting people having fun. Yeah. Nobody, the world needs that. Well said. Nobody has to ride a bike. They no. choose to. That's right. So nobody has to come buy from us. They choose to. Um, yep. and it's cool that people choose to do that. Yeah, because yeah. it is a good, fun sport in that sense. Yeah. Speaking of people who like to have fun on their bike, <laughs> this next question is how stupid of a question do I need to ask in order to have it answered on the podcast? Well, I think stupid enough because 
this question was stupid enough that it made it on the podcast. Good job, Colin. <laughs> I think he I think he sends some stupid question every time. Colin also semi works for us. Yeah, we should probably disclose <laughs> when these people are friends slash yeah. employees. because uh, we wouldn't give you a hard time if you're just a nice bystander, yeah. casual <laughs> civilian. We wouldn't give you a hard time, but yeah. <laughs> for your friend, we might give you a hard time. Yeah. Uh, yep. But Colin, there you go. We Thanks, love you. Colin. We Thanks, appreciate Colin. Your, we appreciate your question and uh and your humor. Yeah. And hopefully you listen to this episode so you can like actually hear your question Nobody be answered. Tell him. Yeah, no one tell him. Yeah. Nobody tell him. All right, and won't. if he doesn't say anything, we'll give it three months and then tell him. Set a reminder for that. <laughs> That's too long. Three weeks. And I, and I and I hope you guys DM Zach about his flow job. Yeah. Because he's gonna get frustrated. Oh, yeah. He's gonna get mad. In a good quick. way. Don't don't like yeah. make fun of him, but just you know, But just a little bit. Like, Yo, just I a little poke. You didn't hit the drop on yeah. flow. Poke the bear a little, you know? <laughs> for the last two years. At at Z A. Z-A-C-K-W-E-A-V-E-R. Zach Weaver. Zach Weaver. That's Z-A-C-K with a K, not an H. Yeah, he gets but real offended. You should DM him <laughs> and use the H. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, he gets so, like, his Instagram name is literally Z-A-C-K, and then just message him and say Z-A-C-H. Say Z-A-C-H, comma, I heard you wouldn't hit the drop on flow. Man, if he just gets a dozen of those messages, he will lose it. <laughs> He will for sure come into this, come into work and go. Yeah. What did you guys do on the podcast? Or you? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Why are people DMing me this? Oh my god! <laughs> Amazing. Oh, it's good. Perfect. Right. Well, that's the last one. That's all. That's all we got for you. Thank you very much for listening to episode ninety-eight of the MTB podcast. Uh, please hit us with any questions, comments, and concerns at podcast at worldwidecyclery.com or on Instagram. You can message Jared Beerman directly because he looks at the Instagram messages. Um, after listening this far, they deserve. Yeah, they deserve, they deserve it. it. They deserve it. Like Thank you and good night. Good night and good luck. Love ya.